word with you this morning. Um, and as I do so, I'd, I want to say, just for the sake of those maybe are new here or visitors, you know, I remember once I was um, 17 years old when I got invited to a church like this. I'd come out of a very traditional church background. Um, I grew up in a, a very reformed uh, church. And uh, I remember the first time a friend of mine that was a Christian invited me to church. And it was wild. People were raising their hands. They were clapping, a little bit like this morning. And it completely freaked me out. I left rattled. I left with a sense of like, whoa, this is, what, what is going on here? And I'd never been confronted before with people that actually, like they really believed the Bible. Like they really believed that, because I, I realized the church we were in was very traditional. It was very, I know some people did. It was ritual for me, and I never understood that we serve a living God who really is seated on the throne, and He really is exalted in the heavens, and He really is involved in our lives, and He really is drawing us and saving us and redeeming us and calling us out by name, and that this God is worthy of worship, not just a, a little hand clap, but worthy of our lives poured out, and, and I saw that, and I was so confronted with my own selfishness. I was confronted. It was like my world was turned upside down, and I saw that, that actually if God is real, then these people have responded adequately to the Lord. They haven't responded in some kind of weird charismatic way, you know, like the charismatic two-step, you know, the or the holy hop, you know, you do the holy hop. You know, it's because like it's the right thing to do. No, it was like if this is real, then this God we serve, who's seated in glory and came down in the form of a man two thousand years ago to become like us, to take on our sin. If he really is that, then how can we not worship him? How can we not give him ourselves and our lives? And I was confronted with this reality. And I want to ask you today that maybe for you, if the service is a bit freaky or different, or you know, we're not ordentlik or I don't know what the Afrikaans word is. You know? It's like, you know, actually, if you read our Bibles, we see that these early believers were people that were filled with zeal, filled with the Spirit. They, were, they turned their world upside down. So, yeah, I just, so maybe just to encourage you, it's to, you know, maybe we are, we, are, we are a bit wild. I don't know, we don't want to be weird, but we are wild. And that's a good thing. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you a short word on the joy of partnering, on the joy of partnering. And I want to look at a scripture in Philippians chapter 1. And you know, um, and if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. If you've got it there or on your phone, you can do that too. Your digital Bible. And you know, I, I, you know, I love this book, the book of Philippians. And I would encourage you that if you haven't dug into it or, or read it in a while, I'll go and read the book of Philippians, because the book of Philippians is a book that's saturated with Christ. It's all about Jesus. And this, this man, the Apostle Paul, who was once a hardened unbeliever who actually persecuted Christians and who chased them down, the same man that had resisted Jesus Christ, Years later, after he had been transformed by God and began to believe in Jesus and put his faith in Jesus, towards the end of his life, while he's in prison, so he's not sitting at a villa in the south of France, drinking, you know, champagne and eating grapes. When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he's not, you know, sitting in a palm tree in Mauritius, retired from his glory days of ministry. 
He was in prison for the gospel because he had devoted his life to believing and following hard after this man, Jesus Christ. And, and what is amazing about this book, this book that is it's actually saturated, it's all about Jesus, all about this man, Christ. He, he wants to make sure that when we, when we read the letter, that we, we never forget that to be a Christian is not to follow a list of rules and regulations. That to be a Christian is, doesn't mean that we follow a checkbox, you know, of like, okay, we've got to be good people now. He doesn't do that. He breaks those boxes and says, no, actually, to be a Christian means that you follow that man Christ, that, that now, you know, we, we have him, and so every, oh, our life is found in him. That he says, my life is to know him. I count all things, he says, as rubbish that I might know Christ. He says in Philippians 3, his heart was to know him. That life for him wasn't about earning a big paycheck at the end of the month. His life for him wasn't about, you know, having the, the latest car or, you know, the biggest house. That life wasn't about that. Life for him was about knowing that man, Jesus Christ, the one that is at the right hand of the Father. And he was consumed with it. And what is amazing with this book is when he writes um, this book, he writes it in prison, Roman prison, but the, the theme of the book of Philippians is the theme of joy. And this theme of joy comes through again and again in the book. And I would ask you, like, go home, take a highlighter, and, and find wherever the word joy or rejoice is found, and, and underline or highlight the word joy or rejoice. And what you find is you find that that word comes through again and again and again. And we find that this was a man that wasn't confined by his circumstance. He was a man that was able to tap into the wellspring somehow that was in Christ and, and draw from, from who Jesus is. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I at times struggle to find joy in the Lord. Joy for me is not always easy. I, I have to fight for joy in many, many ways. I'll be honest. Um, my temperament works against me. I'm, you know, I'm always a glass half empty kind of guy. And I've got to learn, I've had to learn to find the life of God, to see God at work, to see, but God, you are there and you are working. By nature, I'm a bit of a skeptic. Um, when I was younger, I was a, uh, in my previous life, I was a, an arts teacher, fine arts teacher, and studied fine arts. And, and when I taught, you know, often, yeah, I could get quite critical, you know. They called me the mmm teacher. I'd look, look at their works and go, mmm, there's this mistake and that mistake and that mistake. And uh, it wasn't very complimentary. <laughs> I've had to learn to find the see the good. And uh, Paul does this. And what I want to do is I want to focus on a scripture in Philippians 1 verse 3, where he's writing to these people that he loves and he knows and he remembers. They're friends of his. And he says in Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. And so when he remembers them, his prayer, it wells up as a byproduct of joy. It's like, wow, man, when I remember these people, there's joy that springs forth in my heart towards them. And, and so this morning, I want to say that, you know, that when God puts us in a family, with people around us that love the Lord, you know, and we consider one another, 
and we consider that, we need to ask God that when we think of one another, when, when you think of the people in your home group and the people in your church and the people that are around us, that our hearts are like, yes, Lord, oh, thank you for those people. God, oh, they're not just my, my friends. They're not just Christians that I go to community with. They are my family in the Lord. And oh, thank you, Lord. And our hearts get filled with joy. Can you think of people around you, even for those that have impacted you or you've become friends with in church, where it's like this overflow, actually, of joy? And I want to say, friends, that is, that is the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is a life that when we consider others in the Lord and we consider our family in the Lord, our, our spiritual family, that we can think of them with joy. Not with like, Ugh. You know, right? We always, sometimes there's that one person, we're like, oh, not them. Oh, Lord, okay, I choose to, to be joyful. And then he carries on, making my prayer with joy, and verse 5 says this, because, and he gives them a reason why, we, why, they, why he's joyful, why he's so happy when he thinks about them, when he thinks of other Christians that have touched his life, other believers around him, and he says this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership. And so what I want to do is I want to focus just on three points. I want to give you three things of that we are called as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And by the way, maybe you're here this morning and you know that you're not a follower of Jesus. You know, it's, we've got people who visit us or who come and maybe you're on the outside looking in. Or you've got a question mark about who is Jesus? Who is this man? What is this thing all about? And I really trust this morning that you would also meet with God, that you would encounter him, that you would see him. But for us as Christians that are in the house of God, there are three reasons I want to give you for partnership of this thing, of, of us being able to partner together. Three reasons that Paul gives, and it says because of our partnership in the gospel. And, you know, the word partnership it's a beautiful word because, you know, we partner in lots of different areas in life, don't we? I mean, how many of you have got, are married here, right? How many of you are married here? Show your hand. I see that hand. Okay, if you are married, what did they say? Marriage is the union of two forgivers. You've learned to forgive well if you're married for a period of time. And partnership, if you're married, that's a form of partnership. How many of you are here that you are in business with someone? That you are, you're, in, you're tied in in a business for someone. You're in partnership. How many of you here have joined this, uh, uh, this local church? Right, then you're in partnership with us. That's a word, partnership. It's a sense, it's a, a word koinonia. It means to share together. And he says we're in partnership together. And from this section, from to verse 10, I want to just give you three things of how we are called to partner together. Number one. Our partnership, that as we journey together in Jesus, our partnership, number one, is to be a heartfelt partnership. It's to be a, a partnership that's not just, it's heartfelt. And, and look what Paul says in, um, I'm going to bring out a couple of verses here for us as we look at this text. As we see that, Paul says this in, in verse 4, he says, I make my prayer with joy as he remembers them. In verse 7, he says this. It is right, verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Then verse 8, he says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all 
with the affection that is in Christ Jesus. So when you look at Paul, Paul just didn't like these people. Paul had an affection for them. He loved them. He delighted in them. He, wanted, he knew that when he was with them, there was a sense of like, oh, we're more than just friends. We are family, and, and our hearts are knitted in a deep way. And you know, when we partner together as new members have come on, and as we journey together as a local church in Jesus, is that our partnership should be heartfelt, should be a sense that we would grow in this area, that we would feel that way about each other, that we would learn to like, yeah, I'll smock you, man. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I like you. It's like, you know, and we have to love each other, but that we learn to like each other. We learn to enjoy one another, that we enjoy, we enjoy hanging out together, being in each other's homes, that for us, that when we get invited to someone in the life of the church, it's like, yes, oh yeah, I get to get, hang out with that person's home. Oh, I love spending time with them. I get built up and encouraged when I'm around them, and Paul seems to have this heart um, about it. It's not just duty, but it's enjoyment. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. Why does he hold them in his heart? It's because he has a transformed heart, because he's born again. And Jesus has transformed him, and so he can love others in the same way. And so our first partnership is a heartfelt partnership, um, that we love one another, but that we actually like one another too. And uh, may it be with that. And I want to ask you if you struggle with that. Maybe for you, church is more... Uh, duty than delight. You know, being with the people of God is like, you fit, you're the last one in, like you come in, like Andrew said last night, you slip in as the meeting starts, and when the meeting ends, you're out. Because for you, it's duty. It's like, you know, I've got, I've got things to do. I've got other people to see, and I'm going to slip out. Then that's, that's not delight. That's duty. But the heart of God is we partner together with a deep sense of like, yeah, we just want to be together. That we linger, you know, that we don't want to leave. Like, no, let's not leave. Let's stay a bit longer. I know the service ended, you know, half an hour ago or whatever. But let's just hang out because, man, it's so good when we talk together. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And if you don't have that, ask the Lord, say, Lord, would you put that affection in my heart for your people? Oh, God, would you give me this heart to have that affection like you do? Please, Lord. Help me to love like you. I know I don't. I know, if, if I'm honest, that it's sometimes duty. But Lord, would it be a delight? Would it be something that would be warm and wonderful and, and a sense of that? So that's number one, that we partner in a way that is heartfelt. Number two, we partner, when we partner together, when Paul says, I partner with you in joy, with joy in the gospel, that our partnership when we partner as, as Christians, is we partner in a practical way. It's a practical partnership. You know that when we are family, it means that we actually share things like our time. We share our resources. We open our homes to one another. Over the years, Eddie and I, as uh, being part of Just Gen, we've been part of Just Gen for 23 years since the beginning, we've been partnering with Andrew and with a group of crazy people, you know. And as we've partnered together, we had planted out and we'd come back, is during that time, we've had the privilege to open up our home to many, many people. We've often hosted people who have slept in our home and we've had people staying over and we've, we've we, you know, we've opened up our home over the years. 
And we've had the privilege to, to have people in our home that are from all countries around the world. And our kids have grown up with, with people at our dinner table that are from the Netherlands, or from Brazil, or from Zambia, or from Malawi, or from, um, trying to think, where else? America, even from Benoni. <laughs> even from the states, the free states, okay? And we've grown up in that home where, where our home has been that. And you know, to meet Christians who love the Lord, who in a, another country is a beautiful thing. We get to share our resources, our homes with one another. And we get to share. So it's a practical partnership in that. You know, one of the things that our theme uh, that the elders are feeling over the next year, do you know what the theme is, what we feel the Lord's saying for the next year? Who can tell me? Let's go. That's it. Let's go. And this theme of let's go is, is speaking about this idea that we partner together in the gospel with a message of Jesus to bless and to build into other churches and to grow as we go. And, you know, I want to share with you, we had a young couple that was in this congregation, a young man, his name was Christopher, Christopher Nettling. He used to lead the youth here with his wife, Lisa. His nickname was Spot, okay, from high school. He was a big round guy in high school, and they called him Spot because he looked like a spot. That's, that's where it comes from. But he's actually grown tall, and he's lean, and he's quite muscular now. So we, I don't call it, we, no one calls him Spot anymore. He's Christopher. And Christopher and Lisa, um, they were part of this congregation. The Lord uh, saved him through a pulse camp in Paul, and God had done an amazing work in this young couple's life. And this couple, you know, they, they were raised onto eldership at quite a young age, and we were able to send them out first to Durbanville, and now they're in a little town um, in the Overberg called Bonnyvale. And I was talking to Christopher about it the other day. We had coffee. And I want to say that, you know, even as we partner together, we go, we've had the privilege over the years to send young couples and young people all over the world, Taiwan, uh, Japan, um, you know, all over, TMT students that we are sending. We're sending one of our students to the States, to America, not the free state, but to America. Now in California, we're sending him in March. He's going permanently, an ex-TMT student moving over. Uh, I can't say his name because I don't know if it's public knowledge yet. And you know, even if we don't go, we partner with those who can go. And Christopher, and I want to share this with you because some of you have sowed into his life. You've prayed for him. You've invested in him. He has been in some of your homes. And you know what Christopher was saying? They have been in Bonnyvale. They planted that church about a year ago. And they, next Sunday, are bringing 40 new people into membership in Bonnyville. 40 new people. They <clears throat> he says, over the last year, they've seen about 20 first-time salvations. People come to Christ, not churchgoers. People come to Christ for the first time who have given their lives to Jesus Christ over the last year. They've seen about 30 water baptisms in the last year. They, um, they've said that there's been so many people that have joined them. They're already, I think they're sitting at like 90, 100 adults. And he said that there's so many people that have joined them that have been disillusioned with church and been hurt in church and have come and found family. And I want to say, you know, what God is doing there, in some ways, because we have partnered, as you have joined, as you have sowed, as you have given, as you have prayed, there's a work going on in a town that you don't know about. In fact, Michelle's here. Where's Michelle Fisser? It's so good to see you. 
Michelle uh, was a community leader with us with her husband, Frank, who passed away. Michelle had relocated to Bonneville, and by the way, she is flourishing. I mean, Christopher can't stop talking about her. Michelle Fisser, wow, she's amazing. She prophesies all the time. She loves people. She's, she's amazing. So, so good to see you, Michelle. So, so good to see you doing well. But my friends, we're partnering with people all over the world. Not only that, but when we partner together, like Paul says, we are, and we sow our finances. Do you know in the last two years through COVID, I want to share this as well. I hope you don't mind just getting through the stats. But um, that some of you sowed into a 412 relief fund when we were giving into churches that were struggling financially because we know we're partnering together. And you know that in Just Gen and 412, we gave almost 3 million rand into a partner's relief fund that we helped churches in India, Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Malawi. Almost three million rand over the last two and a half years. And we're able to help them with food. If you've been into Zim right now, we've got some of our folk here who are from Zim. Some of them are going back to Zim. And we know how hard it is, but my friends, we partner together. And we're able to send, and we're able to go, and we're able to, to partner in a practical way like this. You know, there's an old saying that says, on your own, you can go fast, but together we can go far. Partnership's a beautiful thing. And then the last thing I want to say about part- the joy of partnership, and by the way, there's scriptures, Philippians 4, the Philippians partnered with Paul, they partnered financially with him, um, and he was able to go and spread the gospel through their help. But the last thing is a lasting partnership. That's number three. So number one was a heartfelt partnership that we have. Number two is that we have a practical partnership. And the third thing is that if you join, when, as you are added to us in the Lord, that there is a lasting partnership, a lasting partnership. And I want us to look at Philippians 1 again, verse 3. And interesting what he says here, like let's look at verse 5, sorry, is he speaks about us in the Lord. He says this in verse 5. I make my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel, from the first day, he's looking back until now, there's time that's involved. And look at verse 10. I want us to go into verse 10. He says, um, it's my prayer, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more, verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And you see, Paul was looking ahead. He understood that being in Jesus means that we look ahead for the return of Christ, and that he's coming back again. We know that Jesus is the rightful king who's coming to take his rightful place as the Lord of the earth, as the Lord of the heavens, and he's coming back again. And he says that we are working partnership until that day, until the day that he returns. And so our partnership, as you're joined with us, is a lasting partnership, that we're in this for the long haul. You know, we're not some kind of club. I'm part of the tennis club. I have great privilege to be part of Wellington Tennis Club. But the Wellington Tennis Club only meets, we only play tennis when the weather is good. When the weather is bad and it's raining, we get a little WhatsApp on the WhatsApp group. Die weer is slag. Geen tennis vandag. Oh, no tennis today. You know, the Church of Jesus Christ is different because we have a lasting partnership. We partner when the weather is bad. We partner when we're feeling bad or feeling good. We partner no matter the circumstance because we know we're in it until Jesus returns. And when we do that, my friends, we partner in the gospel because this gospel goes to the nations and it's to the end of the age. 
And it's more than one person can handle. It's you and I together. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. As I mentioned, we've been part of um, this church for 23 years in, in Cape Town when we joined. I know Debs and others have been part of the old first love that's become Josh Jen for about 19 years, eh? 17 years. That's a long time, my friends. Wouldn't it be wonderful that in 50 years' time, I know we move on, we send people to the nations, but that we are worshiping the Lord and we all maybe on our cane and our stick, you know? And we're worshiping the Lord, and we go, you know, and there's Stuart, who's now married, and he's got kids, and he's, you know, he's gray, and he's, <laughs> Stuart's 60, and here we are, you know, and I'm, I'm 85, and my wife, and we, we're coming in, you know, praise the Lord, and the worship starts up, and, you know, the next generation's leading in worship, and we have a gathering, and we gather together from where we've gone, and, and you know, and the old people that have stood to the test of time, and they've worked through their offenses, and they haven't left the church because it's inconvenient. They haven't left the church because it's difficult, but they've stuck it out, and they've loved one another, and we've forgiven one another, and we've covered over our sins because we were in Jesus. And we love as he has loved us because we know we've forgiven and so we can extend forgiveness. Is that as we one day, you know, we look back and then we're worshiping. I'm worshiping with my cane, you know, some of you in your wheelchairs, you know, giving praise to the Lord, you know, as we worship together, as wherever we come from as his people, you know, and like we have lasted the, the test of time. Yeah, and we had the privilege last night just to share this testimony. This is a testimony of the goodness of God is um, we prayed in a whole bunch of deacons at the gathering. At our uh, gathering is where all our congregations come together across Chochen to meet. And we met in Belleville at the Lighthouse. And uh, on, on last night, we had the privilege, one of the deacons that was ordained was my daughter, was our daughter, Michaela. She's 22. But I, I'm sharing it with you, uh, I don't want it, not to boast, but to say that she was born into Josh Jen in the year 2000. She was born, I mean, not into the church. She was born, you can't be born into the church, but you know what I mean. She was born in Cape Town, we're part of the church, was a year old. And she was born again in Josh Jen. And she was discipled through this local church. And now she's stepping into another season, another role for her. And I looked and I was just so overcome, you know, by the goodness of God that we could journey together. And let me say to you, it has not been easy. Man, sometimes I've wanted to leave the church because I've been offended and people have hurt me. I've like, I've had enough of these people. You know, the world will accept me for who I am. The church, ha! But we've worked it through because that's what the Bible has commanded us to do, to deal with sin and to learn how to deal with conflict. And as we've done it, we've seen the testimony of the goodness of God where our kids have come through well. Um, I was in Brazil in July ministering in Sao Paulo, and I shared the story about worship. I was preaching on worship. And in the preach, while preaching on worship, I spoke about also, imagine when you're old, wouldn't it be wonderful when you are 80, 90, that you are still filled with zeal, like Romans 12 says. Romans 12 says, don't be lacking in zeal, you know, continue in zeal. And I said, imagine you being really old and you with your walking stick, and I use the walking stick, and you are 85 and you have your walking stick praising God as, as zealously as you could when you were 20. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And you know what happened is the church, there were people that we started weeping and crying. And I was wondering, like, what's going on? Anyway, I carried on, finished the preach, and I thought maybe they were touched by my eloquent words or the Holy Spirit was ministering. And the pastor, his name's Ronaldo, he came to me afterwards and he said, Mike, 
Last week, we buried a deacon that was in our church, uh, Maria's father, who was about 85 years old, 83, 84 years old, and we got a video of him worshiping. This guy had been part of the church in Sao Paulo, the 412 church, for about 18, 19 years from the beginning of the church plant. And he had seen the church grow, and this old man with his younger daughter, he's now 50, <laughs> he passed away, and he left a legacy. And they showed me a video of the week before um, he passed away, and he got really ill. It was a week or so before, and there's a video of him. They put it actually on Instagram of him literally in front with his cane like this, worshiping with his cane to the glory of God because he had a revelation of how great his God was of that his God was the Alpha and Omega, that even if he died, he didn't care. His God was worthy of worship, and he was graduating. And he was going to go into where to go with the Lord. And you know, it was just this thing of like, wow, God, isn't that amazing? My friends, we are in this because it's a lasting partnership. And our partnership is with Christ. And because it's with Christ, he does not let us go. We are in this for the long haul. All right? Amen. And so I would like to close, and I think we're going to break bread. We're going to close this with responding with breaking bread. And we're going to get all the communion just out, and we'll, we'll land and close. And I want to say this as we close. Um, you know, the only reason that we can partner with joy in the gospel is because God partnered with us when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. You know, we are not worthy of what he has given us. The Bible says that we were enemies, that we were sinners, that we were alienated, that we were God-haters, but that he came down to us and he loved us even when, before we loved him. And that he reached out to us and that Jesus came on a search and rescue mission to search for you and to find you, and to save you. And you know, as we break bread this morning, I want to say the only reason we can, we can be part of a, of a fellowship of believers like this is because Jesus has come and he has saved us. Where would we be without Jesus? What would our lives be like if it were not for Jesus? Where would you be? And so the Bible says that we're going to give thanks for the body and the blood of Jesus. And it says that when we break bread, um, we break bread with a sense of examining ourselves first before we have communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 